fighting for freedom every day. Broadcasting from the heartland of America. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. What's up? Welcome into it. It is a Monday starting off a brand new week, man. Setting the tone in talk radio. Trying to recap your day because there is a lot that has been happening throughout the program in the day today. So... Welcome into it. Let's break it all down. Broadcasting out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station, the Big Talker KQAM. In Wichita, what we are all over the place, multiple radio stations and TV and live streaming and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, it is so wonderful to have you with us. Your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. And, dude, I told you, (laughs) I told you that this would be a fun election season. We are just... We are only one primary or caucus into the election season, and we essentially have our candidate made with, uh, obviously, the big news of the weekend. What's trending today? With Ron DeSantis jumping out of the race, we have some of that audio we may play throughout the program, officially endorsing Donald Trump. That was kind of interesting because there was speculation that DeSantis and Nikki Haley may uh, pair up together to try to unite forces to at least gain a little bit more against the former president donald trump that obviously not happening throwing his support behind donald trump saying that we don't need a paid off politician again like nikki haley whether you agree with that mindset or not is definitely an interesting speculation from him so we have that to break down in a little bit bottom of the hour we have karen england she is the president of the capital resource center also a parental rights advocate we're going to get the latest on the battle between parents and local school boards there is the ongoing battle there with the agenda with the curriculum within local school districts and even we talked a little bit about it on friday last week but the adult education if you know what i mean and how that has evolved over the years and what is the role of government aka schools and the role of the parents in that education so we'll go down that road a little bit with karen england at the bottom of the hour but i don't want to waste any time because i'm excited to have our first guest on the program to kick off the day What's trending today? And it has been a while since we've had her on the show, so happy 2024, happy new year to her as excited because, as you know, the other headline was throughout the weekend over the last week or so, there's been conversation about, have you heard the new, the new, it's going to be like COVID 2.0, but disease X. Yeah, disease X, where it's 20 times deadlier than COVID-19, which means unless you all just pander to what the government tells you, then... We're all going to die! <laughs> so that's really how we start off 2024. Did we not say 24 was going to be like the most entertaining year that we've ever had? And what did we look, uh, get to look forward to with what the World Health Organization is trying to tell us, where they say now we need essentially a treaty with all governments to get on board and have the same type of protocol and policy moving forward? And what does that do moving forward into the year? To talk about that and so much more, she is author of the book Facing the Beast. Excited to have on here Naomi Wolf back. Naomi, how are you today? Good. Thank you so much for having me back. How are you? I am great. It is so wonderful to have you back on the show. Disease X. Everybody's scaring us. We don't know a whole lot about this one, but what in the world is this disease? And is this the next global lockdown that we get to look forward to? Well, it's, I mean, as I've said uh, in other interviews, fear is disease X, right? Mm. I mean, (laughs) it's, it's kind of genius and yet so, like, overt that the World Economic Forum is naming something disease X, which means literally anything can be it. 
yeah. right? If there's a flare-up of leprosy, that's disease X. If there's a flare-up of Ebola, that's disease X. If someone reports tuberculosis, uh, that's disease X. Um, but really what it's about is conditioning us to to react with fear. And as uh, Dr. Michael Nels, the um, German neuroscientist uh, who wrote a book called The Indoctrinated, Indoctrinated Brain, points out, when we're constantly in a state of fear, anticipating that, you know, just as we're doing now, the next lockdown, the next disease, the next pandemic, you know, the next climate crisis, um, our, our brains eventually get um, injured and we can't think in a nuanced or creative way. And, we, you know, in his view, we literally kind of turn into zombies. I mean, that and the mRNA injection. He's got some scary things to say about that. But the point is, A, it's to scare us. B, it's to prepare us for whatever they want to roll out as disease X. You know, of course, to create a, at least a diversion, if not a lockdown. I anticipate in advance of May of this year, when the WHO treaty is planned to go through, draining us of sovereignty, draining all the nations that sign the treaty of sovereignty under the guise of public health. And also, I expect that disease X will flare up right around the time of the presidential election in the United States so that those mail-in ballots can uh, be justified and people will be you know, staying home and not, not in person, which is much harder to hack or cheat or tamper with. So that's yeah. my analysis, disease X. Totally unrelated and, con- and coincidental, the fact that that's going to happen around election time, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> again, that's my guess. Yeah. I mean, the great... Uh, value of headlines like Disease X coming out of the World Economic Forum also is a distraction, right? I mean, whether it's uh, the pandemic treaty or the election, what it does is it focuses everyone's attention on exactly this conversation, what is Disease X, whereas what's really happening is somewhere else, meaning is it central bank digital currency? Is it digital ID? You know, is it this theft of trillions, you know, under the guise of the war in Ukraine? I mean, there's there's any number of bad things happening around the world, but the value of now AI enhanced propaganda messaging around the world all at the same time, and you you literally see them like changing the channel. Like now it's Gaza and Israel, you know. Now it's the climate crisis. Now it's Ukraine. Um, is that it drains everyone's awareness away from other bad things they're doing behind the scenes? Yeah. How many people do you think are going to go along with this? Obviously, there's a lot of newly, quote unquote, awakened, not woke, but awakened Mm -hmm. individuals since COVID that said, wait a second, we started questioning the mask mandates. We started questioning the vaccine mandates. We're not going to abide by just the stay in place orders. I actually want to get back to work and provide for my family. We, We had a lot of people that began to revolt, so to speak, and just not comply. Will we see that again this time, and will we be prepared, or will this be such a scary, dangerous uh, fear tactic uh, uh, campaign from them that we're going to have no other option but to comply? Yeah, I mean, first I want to say congratulations to people like you and me, because it is true that more people are waking up, and it's entirely due to um, independent media and voices like ours. So, you know, thank you to both of us and all our friends for not shutting up. Um, But really what, how can I put it? What scares me is what's happening being put in place so that whether or not people believe in the rationale behind the next bid for global tyranny, they won't have a choice. So, for instance, in New York State, where I am living, um, 
the governor, Governor Hochul, keeps trying to establish quarantine camps. Uh, and the regulations that are already drawn up for the quarantine camps are that they can haul anyone away who's been, quote, exposed to a bloodborne pathogen, end quote. What does that even mean? Exposed, right? That's why I'm kind of anticipating the disease X will be Ebola-like, because that's bloodborne, as I recall. But um, it, and there's no judicial review. You know, you're in there. There's no process whereby, if you show that you're not infectious or not diseased, you can get out. And meanwhile, they can take, you know, they can let your business collapse. They can say your children have to be put in foster care because you can't care for them because you're in quarantine. You know, it's endless. Like there's no, it's it's basically concentration camps. And she's not stopping. A lawyer named Bobby Ann Cox tried to appeal, and then she appealed the appeal. So, you know, they're determined. Same thing is happening in Washington State. Um, Australia has quarantine camps where people have been detained, including parliamentary senators, you know, for two weeks at a time. It's a real chilling effect. So, and then look at mandates. You know, if they do another kind of effort to mandate um, whatever it is they want to put in our bodies, um, they, you know, and they say, well, you'll lose your job if you don't do it. You know, that's a form of coercion. A lot of people were not able to resist for economic reasons. So that's what I'm really worried about. People can know it's nonsense, but not have the um, ability to uh, make their free will choices. Yeah, that's a very that's scary thought. Yeah, that's a scary thought. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Naomi Wolf. She is author of the book uh, Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith, and Resistance in a New Dark Age, as she is an influential feminist, also columnist, professor, and uh, best-selling author. With this, uh, moving forward, you, you referenced the Dark Ages, essentially, as this is kind of the new Dark Age. We're not allowed to have certain kind of content, and we saw that start pretty dram- dramatically during the COVID-19 pandemic. The media only kind of gives us information. Now we're starting to question some of that, and that gets silenced even today, just so many years later. Uh, what is the outlet? What is the result or what is the alternative to that to get this information out to let people know what's really happening in the world? Well, I think I think people underestimate how important they are. Um, you know, we've really been conditioned to think, oh, only, you know, political leaders have power or only uh, – celebrities have a big platform, but really everyone listening, you know, from whatever walk of life has so much power and influence on the people around you, you know? So literally when people, you know, risk whatever it is, you know, being kicked out of their play date circle or being given funny looks at church or synagogue or, you know, people saying, well, you're a conspiracy theorist or uncomfortable conversations, you know, at, at the table with relatives next holiday. We have to face those difficult moments if we're going to inform people about what we think the risks and dangers are, including to our liberty. Um, and then we have to support those leaders and those voices and the independent media that are taking the risk of informing people as well. I mean, I wrote an essay about how, you know, we get the media we pay for and that we have to build up a robust, independent ecosystem of, you know, news outlets and opinion leaders and um, independent book publishers so that uh, the efforts to crack down on, quote, misinformation and disinformation that the World Economic Forum is also telegraphing you're going to engage in um, are not successful. But I, again, circling back, people are so much more powerful than they realize. Um, they have direct influence on everyone around them, networks of 
you know, hundreds of people just in their daily lives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And last question for you, Naomi, which kind of feeds right into this. we got just about a minute left here, but you mentioned the people and the power that they have and also the leadership that's going on. Again, timing seems to be impeccable right now when we have what looks like Donald Trump to be the nominee for the Republicans again. We have a president down in Argentina, President Milley, that's gone after, quote unquote, socialism and the threat to the Western world right now. We have this conservative populist movement going on worldwide that's beginning to decentralize all this power that the World Health Organization so many want which makes the timing of this even more interesting on why they would try and do this before more of these people can get back into power, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the World Economic Forum um, is realizing they didn't succeed as well as they had anticipated over the next last two and a half years. And they are seeing these grassroots populist movements and they want to, it's a, it's a race against time, right? Which will they crack down in a really scary way against the farmers, against the populists, against leaders like President Trump, you know, or Millet in, you know, in, in time to fracture this global populist movement or people, will people get a clue? And I think what's fascinating is the human race is kind of collectively waking up to the whole picture, you know, of what the globalists want, which is a scary picture, but it was those of us who saw it were a fringe minority two years ago. And now, you know, 52% of Americans think that the injections have something to do with excess deaths. Yeah. So there's a massive awakening going on for all of these uh, pieces that are interlocked, the World Economic Forum, the excess deaths, the you know vaccine pushers, the pandemic pushers, the, crisis, yeah. the climate crisis pushers. It's all connected. It's all connected. We're waking up to it, and we're not going to let them try and do it again. It's Naomi Wolf. Go check out the book, Facing the Beast. Naomi, thank you so much for coming on the show. we got to do it again here. Real soon, my friend. Got to take a break. It's the voice of reason. Don't go anywhere. It's the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the voice of reason. With Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. 24 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into it. Thanks again to Naomi Wolf. Great content. That really paints a very scary picture, does it not? <laughs> About what could potentially happen. Disease X is going to get you. It's going to get you. And the P of the treaty that the World Health Organization, the World Economic Forum, they're all meeting to try and say we all need to just come together and have unified ways to handle the next disease, whatever it may be, that could kill off the population. And if you don't follow it... We're all going to die because of you! Because that's the scare tactics that they like to use. And it seems to work. The reason they want to do that is because in the last pandemic during the COVID-19 garbage, they had some countries that stayed open. They had some countries that didn't stay open. And the ones that actually stayed open and just went about their business actually didn't have a whole lot of issues. And they didn't want that message to get out there. So, of course, the media didn't respond to it. But now we all need to do the same thing. Everybody's got to be unified. You know, like a typical nice little progressive liberal that likes everything in harmonious uh, unison. And everybody's got to do the exact same thing with no individual wicked wild thinking at all, man. That's just bad. All right, let's get in. we got a few minutes here before our next guest. Here we go. Let's do this. What's trending today? We'll talk some more about this in depth tomorrow going into the New Hampshire primary. But the question is now is that how, at what point do we just acknowledge that Donald Trump's going to be the nominee after Ron DeSantis officially dropping out on Sunday? I'm sure you've heard that throughout the day today. And now the speculation continues of who the VP will be for Donald Trump because he gained so much momentum that Nikki Haley really isn't much of a challenger. Now, I will say this. 
that while I want unification within the Republican Party and we need to start unifying, I also like the fact that this early on, at least, there is still options that are out there for those that don't like Donald Trump. I mean, I'm not a fan of Nikki Haley personally. I wouldn't vote for her. Uh, between the two, I would be and will be supporting Donald Trump. But there, there's options here because more so for the psychological sense of me to try and understand what some of the other voters are looking for. And I think it's going to help us choose a good vice presidential pick for Donald Trump to help unify the party, to try and bring some people together. Now, obviously, there's going to be those that just absolutely refuse to support Donald Trump whatsoever, the never-Trumpers out there that have the Trump derangement syndrome, is what so many like to call it, and that will find some other alternative to vote for or just won't show up to vote at all. But obviously, those that are civically minded that understand that an election is important, even if you don't like the candidates, then how do we win them over in the race? And I think having someone that's an alternative to Trump, not necessarily to keep dividing the party, but to figure out the mindset of what it could take to win them over, I think is important in the race. Because we're already starting to see dirty politics from the other side. Like, we're we're going into the second primary of election season, and we're already starting to see the dirty politics at play from the Democrats. The media now has gotten a hold of an audio clip, and there's an investigation going on about a robocall in New Hampshire leading up to the primary tomorrow that's advocating and encouraging people not to go and vote. A bunch of malarkey. We know the value of voting Democratic when our votes count. It's important that you save your vote for the November election. We'll need your help in electing Democrats up and down the ticket. Voting this Tuesday only enables the Republicans in their quest to elect Donald Trump again. Your vote makes a difference in November, not this Tuesday. If you would like to be removed from future calls, please press 2 now. Like, what the hell is that? Okay, so they tried to interpret Joe Biden's voice. Obviously, Joe Biden did not record that. And the way we know that, not only is it because it's digitized in that one, but also because it's a smooth transition of him talking where he's not bumbling all over the place. So we (laughs) we already know that that's not really Joe Biden's voice but someone had faked joe biden's voice and sent out this robocall encouraging people not to vote in the election on tuesday voting on tuesday only encourages the re-election of donald trump and you're wasting your vote from november by voting in the primary on tuesday in the state of new hampshire that's a bogus ridiculous stupid claim but apparently the number that it was attached to was a predominant democrat in the state of new hampshire So they're investigating it because that's totally not cool and you can't be doing that. But they're already starting to play dirty. I'm telling you, this is only the beginning. There's a lot more that they're going to be trying throughout the election season. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason meets Radio. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Reason, common sense, rationale. That's what we do here on the program. Strap in, my friends. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time. Thanks again to Naomi Wolf coming on the program earlier. We have the election stuff. We'll talk some more in depth about it tomorrow with the New Hampshire primary. The speculation of what the vice president may be with Donald Trump's pick as it looks to be more and more likely that he will be the nominee for the Republican side. Then we have the Democrat side on what will happen there. I did find interesting that Tulsi Gabbard, the former 
Democrat, former, former congresswoman, former presidential candidate from a few years ago, did come out and say that a vote for Nikki Haley is a vote for continued warmongering. That's kind of interesting because I don't believe that she's very much of a fan of Donald Trump herself, but she apparently doesn't like Nikki Haley very much either. So she's kind of backhandedly endorsing Donald Trump without actually saying Donald Trump. And her endorsement that she did, or the warning that she gave on the social media, on the Tweety, did not say anything about Donald Trump, but just said that a vote for Nikki Haley is a vote for a warmonger. Obviously, Joe Biden has started a lot more conflict, and there's more conflict than there ever has been under the Trump administration. So is she by default endorsing Donald Trump? Kind of an interesting speculation. We'll cover some of that later on. But I want to shift gears here. As you know, what's trending today? We are back at it for the quote-unquote spring semester of public schools. Little voice of reason. She's back at it, loving it every single day. And we get into this year and what could come, especially with potential disease X around the corner. (laughs) Of how public schools have changed over the years. Not just when it comes to lockdowns with COVID or other types of pandemics, but also with the curriculum and we talk about the uh, common core curriculum we have the school board battles we hear about california where parents apparently cannot criticize a school board member at the local level or else the school board has the right to actually file charges and a restraining order against the parent to not be allowed to show up to the school board because if you send an email criticizing them or making fun of them or attacking them or even questioning some of the curriculum that they stand for they have all the right to claim Uh, being a victim in assault, and so on and so forth. So that's where it begins. How in the world did we get to that point? I don't know, because I thought we were the school board, like the parents, deciding and working with the community to set the curriculum for the children. Also, when it comes to the adult classes, if you know what I mean, teaching kids about certain things. Talk about this and so much more. Really happy to have back on the program. It's been a little bit since we've had her on with the Capital Resource Institute, talking about public education across the board. Excited to have on here Karen England. Karen, happy new year to you. How are you? Hey, Happy New Year to you. I'm doing well. I'm good. doing really well. Good. It's good to chat with you again. Yeah. The parent. Uh, what was that? Go ahead. Yeah. 2024 is the year of the parent taking back their rights and reclaiming their school. So I'm very excited about the new year. I am excited about that as well. We started to see that over the last few elections, haven't we? I mean, here in the Wichita area where I'm at, we saw a major push, and now we're kind of three against three on the school board locally with with parents that jumped on board and really tried to take reign. I, I'm seeing that movement nationwide with parents just saying, I've had enough and I want to be part of the system because they're not going to dictate to me what my kid is allowed not allowed to do anymore. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm speaking this week in California and Nevada, and, and we're seeing it. And it's taken. It takes a couple of cycles. Again, we're kind of new waking up to this, or a lot of the, the parents are new at waking up to this, and they're going up against a pretty big machine that has been, you know, pretty well organized. And so it takes a few election cycles. So I just want to encourage your listeners that they need to really be committed for the long haul, because when it happens, we're seeing just an incredible change in California where these school boards are implementing policies, and and the state is just wreaking havoc on it. They don't know what to do because we've taken over local school boards. And that's where where all the power is when it comes to education. There is so much that can be done at the local level, and it's so important that we um, have our people in those seats. Yeah, that local level and that grassroots campaigning, we're we're dominant and we're, we're masters at that side. Making it happen, just putting the little stickler in the side, like you said, of the government agencies that don't know how to control it when no one's abiding by what they want to make well, happen. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
Unlike in California, when you try and pass something good, you can't even get a committee hearing. But you can take that same thing and craft it into a school board policy and pass it at the school board level. And so that's what we're encouraging states to do when they can't get certain, you know, legislation that they like passed at the um, the state level. Go ahead and craft it into a school board policy and have your local community respect parental rights. I like that. Would it make any difference if Donald Trump's ran on a campaign of this, if he gets back into office, Vivek Ramaswamy had a campaign similar to it as well, that if they get into office, they would want to abolish the Federal Department of Education and bring that power back to a statewide level. Will that change the dynamic of this at all? Um, it will change it a little bit, but here's here's kind of the dirty little secret. So much of this stuff is done at the local control and really with local school boards having the power. And I'll give you an example. When Gavin Newsom and DeSantis debated, DeSantis brought up a book and said, oh, you know, Governor, these are all over your schools. They would never be in our schools because they don't meet Florida standards. The book is all over Florida schools because what people don't know is library books aren't governed by standards. Mm. So politicians are not going to be the answer to this. As much as we need to get rid of the Department of Education and bring it locally, we are not, as parents, going to be able to let our foot off the gas. We are going to have to continue to be engaged and involved, and we are going to need to be the people in control of what's going on at the local school board level. That really does reinforce that idea is that the change happens at that local level. The make or break and that quality happens not yep. from the federal government. We can't blame it on the federal or state. It really comes down to how involved we are at that local level, uh, which is encouraging because that shows that we truly do have that ability to make that change. Whether we actually step up to make it happen is just up to us. Oh, absolutely. And again, we're seeing this nationwide. And I just don't want people to get discouraged if they don't take it the very first election cycle. We all just entered this during COVID, you know, so so this is new. The other side has been pretty entrenched for a long time all over the nation. And so we're reclaiming our school boards and um, getting engaged. And I'm really excited. And I think 2024 is going to be a record year. I love that optimism going into a year. I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. and I love hearing that good news for a new year. We're talking with Karen England with the Capital Resource Center. Uh, let's talk about, for exa- for one example, the adult classes that we teach. It used to be middle school. I remember it like sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade. I remember. Now I hear it's down to like third grade, and they're teaching some pretty wild stuff in these types of classes. Uh, where did this come from, and is that part of the agenda of just let's just try to corrupt kids as young as possible as quickly as possible? Oh, absolutely, and actually it goes down to kindergarten, especially in some states, because once Obergefell took place and gay marriage was quote-unquote legal, that, that changes the dynamic of what sex education is and how someone has sex, and so it opens it up to a whole other realm. And so what it really has come down to, and we have a really great video on our website at Capital Resource Institute, it's just a three-minute um, about what has happened going on with sex ed or family life or, you know, whatever your state wants to call it. But there is a concerted effort. There is one worldview, and it's that in the education system, that they believe your kids are born sexual, that they should be exploring their sexuality from birth or from they, the time they think they are ready, and that it's their job and the school's job to expose them and help equip them to explore their sexuality. And that is a worldview. And they don't hide it. You know, they, um, if you go look and you look at some of the organizations, um, Advocates for Youth, I mean, they don't hide that that's what this is all about. They want our kids to be exploring 
their sexual side. And then there's the rest of us that I think are pretty normal that are, you know, it's reserved for marriage and we don't, we don't want our kids being taught about, you know, sex acts or how to pleasure yourself, you know, in the third grade. And again, they've gotten control of our schools. It's not just the union. It's just really how they've infiltrated our school boards, our committees, our, the people that write curriculum. Um, and so that's what's out there and that's what they're doing. And sadly, a lot of what isn't in there are the things we did learn. Like we aren't learning and having several, several talks on the menstrual cycle or on, hey, you're going through life changes. Boys need to shower more often. You guys stink. You know, um, those things they're not focusing on. It's all about sex. And that is the trend and it's continuing. And it doesn't matter if you're in a red or a blue state. It's happening everywhere. Three years ago, Tennessee mandated, it was not mandated, family life sex ed on every single school district. The Republicans mandated it on every school district. It's like, I don't know what these people are thinking. So, yeah, you're not safe anywhere. It blows my mind how crazy that is that you just mentioned, going all the way down to kindergarten for some of the stuff and advocating for that to be the number one priority. I That is that's sickening. That's wild to me. And it explains as well why they've changed some of the terminology, especially instead you're not a pedophile anymore. You're a younger uh, person, uh, uh, um, um, whatever, person individual. Attracted. Yeah, a person yeah, attracted. Minor, yeah, person, my, yeah, yeah. Like, well, yeah. That's wild. It's absolutely. And that is, again, this started way back. We would have never thought so quickly that we would have a boys playing on girls sports team and spending the night in their rooms and in their beds on school field trips. Look at how fast this has progressed. I mean, the definition of gender has changed. And yes, the minor attracted person, they are trying to normalize. And and if you look at a lot of the porn in schools, it is a, it, that the drawings are all of young kids. It, 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 they are, they, they are trying to sexualize all of our kids. In every area of school, whether it's the library, sex ed, and, and and I believe it, the minor attractive person is is part of it. Yeah, that's part of that. There's a movement now. Of course, the other side is calling us the Nazis and the fascists because we're trying to ban books in classrooms because of some of this vulgar display. But I've never seen books that are as vulgar as what I've seen with some of the content that, that we've seen pop up online and some of the stuff that's been in the classroom being taught as well. I want to talk about that when we come back, Karen. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Absolutely. Uh, happy. Awesome. Thank you. I, I want to continue this conversation. I want to talk about some of those vulgar books on why. I mean, I'm not for burning books or banning books or that sort of thing. We're all about free content. But at the same time, should your kids be seeing some of this? But I want to talk about the positive side of this as well. There's so many states right now that are advocating for school choice and school voucher programs or micro schooling or homeschooling or saying we've had enough. Or like you said, fighting for the actual school boards and making those changes internally within that public education system. We'll do all that when we come back more on a Monday here for The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into it. A few minutes left here on the show for a Monday. Real quick, before we get back to our guest here, we do have a little bit of some breaking news that we need to cover momentarily. What's trending today? As according to the social media, and hat tip to Benny Johnson on the social media, if you follow him, Benny Johnson, the Supreme Court has voted on a 5-4 to four decision 
to tell federal agents to cut the razor wire that Texas, the state of Texas, installed on the U.S.-Mexico border trying to stop some of the illegal migration coming into the country. Imagine, if you will, the U.S. Supreme Court has now said the state cannot put up that wire and that federal agents will be cutting that down, allowing the flow. Now, the federal government hasn't held up to their end to enforce immigration and stop people from just walking across it, but the state's apparently not allowed to do anything about it. So the U.S. Supreme Court making a slap in the face on the state's rights and the ability for them to make that decision. The deciding factors were Amy Coney Barrett and John Roberts that sided with the other side, saying that states were not allowed, that Texas was not allowed to put up those wired fence, and that federal agents must be cutting them down. Whoa. All right. So we'll cover some of that later on in the program. Right now we're hanging out with Karen England. She is with the Capital Resource Center. You can find her online at capitalresource.org as we talk about the public education system. The blowing my mind when it comes to the young generation and how they're being corrupted at such a young age, how free you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to be so uh, excited or activated, I guess, at such a young age, which is just mind-blowing to me. And really kind of sick. Karen, I think that's why we're seeing either parents fighting for the school boards or just saying I've had enough and just taking their kids out in homeschooling or why we're seeing so many state legislatures trying to pass uh, voucher programs or school choice programs to allow them to move to different school districts to get the better education. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it used to be um, that people were real hesitant, even in kind of middle America, about school choice because they were convinced that this stuff isn't happening in their schools. And during COVID, they saw that it is happening in their schools. It's happening everywhere. And so they're they're waking up and legislatures are starting to really realize that and respond to it. Hopefully, you know, we will um, see this continue. I don't have a lot of faith in in Republican or Democrats when it comes to um, really, truly being conservative. But but we're hoping that the, the, the parents that have awakened are going to keep the pressure on and that there will be some real educational change. Yeah, that is the hope. Uh, I mentioned going into the break about trying to ban books. And again, I'm not about trying to stop content. I'm not trying to burn books. We're not trying to ban books, trying to silence, uh, you know, silence uh, certain ideas. But... At the same time, that's what we're being accused of on our side now because, well, you're just trying to ban all these books out of the classroom. But yet I've never seen so many ridiculously vulgar books that were intentional to be that way. And then they play the victim when we're like, yeah, that probably shouldn't be appropriate for kids at certain ages. And then they get upset about that. That's wild. No, exactly. I want, you know who I want to ban? I want to ban the people who are pushing porn on our kids in school. That's who I want to ban. And the fact that you can still get a book no matter where you go um, and off Amazon, no one's banning anything. But we do, we we don't have Playboy in school. I mean, there are things that we curate. That would be sexist. We we do, do, well, well, there's, there's, yeah. (laughs) We, we do try and um, set some limits on what our minors are exposed to. And if you've got something that's an R or an X-rated film, why do you have that book in, in the classroom for 14-year-olds? That's all we want. We want to curate stuff. We want the classics. The, the problem is they're getting you know all of these kind of new authors that get all these awards, and that's what they're pushing in all of these AP English classes and in the library. And it's nothing but erotica and porn. 
We've taken things to an entirely new level, and then they play the victim when they don't get what they want. They've definitely pushed that envelope, and they've they've made it to the mainstream, which is unfortunate because this used to be just a tiny sect, or at least it used to be nothing more than higher education, right, Karen? Like this this has really taken a whole level, going from the higher education, expressing yourself and, and learning about this stuff, to like, hey, let's go ahead and teach kindergartners. Like we we've taken a big leap here. Oh, absolutely, and, and it has. And again, there is no age limit. I mean, the American Library Association, they are adamant. They believe there is no, should be no age restriction on any material given to a minor child, that they should be allowed to explore. That's in their Bill of Rights. Wow. And they're very influential when it comes to school libraries. So sad. we got to fight back. We have to push back, and we have to do that, as you mentioned early on, is getting involved, getting that school board changed, and setting that tone in your local community. And you can do that with all the great resources from the Capital Resource Institute, capitalresource.org. Go and find the information. Karen, so much great information. Keep up this fight. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Happy New Year. Let's get you back on the show again real soon, my friend. Okay, absolutely. We'll talk soon. Hey, appreciate it very much. There it is, man. The fireball. And I love it, the optimism going into the new year. While that's scary, it's sickening, it's angering all at the same time, we can do something about it. So let's not complain about it. Let's actually act upon it. Be that catalyst for your own community. Make that change. Until then, this is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We will see you on the radio tomorrow.